0: Okay, y'all, well, we're starting back in our series on the cross. If you would, turn with me to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We're just going to read one verse, verse 9. 2 Corinthians 1, 9. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raiseth the dead. And so we're doing this series on the cross, specifically the, the working of the cross, of the Lord's cross, in the life of the believer. How does that work? Well, it's the the cross is a is an instrument of death. It's the instrument upon which our Lord and Savior died. That God, He's the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world, and that's the the, the means by which the Lord chose to suffer and die for our sins. So it's symbolic, but it, it, it's symbolic. It's not a beautiful thing. It's it's it brings death, and so the sentence. Paul says, we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raiseth the dead. And so we're talking about being crucified with Christ in one very real sense. That is a past tense. I Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. So there's that resurrection. I'm crucified. Well, that brings death. And yet he lives. That was the life of Christ and the life that I now live. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. So we die and we're raised in newness of life in Christ. You know, if you've been to water baptisms before, and we had a wonderful one in Buck and Rachel's pool a few years ago, and it symbolizes that that death to the old man and and the born-again experience and the born-again life and coming up out of that water raised to newness of life in Christ. And so the cross... Brings death, but it's a good thing in the life of a believer, because what is bringing death to if we'll allow the Lord by His spirit and by the cross to work in our lives is to bring a death to our our sin and that old nature, that Adamic nature and and uh, just our carnality, our self and all the things that go with it. So don't be afraid to let the Lord bring death to your old man. Okay, you can't do it by willpower, but by faith we can abide in Christ and allow the Lord to work in our lives. And what He's going to be working is, uh, like John the Baptist said, "I must decrease, that He must increase." That's what it is. It's not just a once and for all. We're saved once and for all. It's not a process of salvation. It's a process of sanctification. It's a process of growing in Christ. It's a process of Christ likeness. It's a process of dying. More and more, more and more. And and again, the final change, the final completion to that will be when we see Him, will be like Him. Amen? For we'll see Him face to face. Paul said, I know that in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Not some good things, not very few good things. I know. He's speaking of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in the Word of God. That in my flesh, in this old nature, that's what he's talking about. The old man that's still present, he's still around, okay, he's still there. Uh, In my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Nothing good dwells, one translation says. And so God has given a verdict. You know, Alberto will be given verdicts and, and, and rulings on things. Well, not criminal law per se, but this is criminal law, and the verdict that's gone out for our flesh is death, not rehabilitation. Okay? Not rehabilitation, not a period of time in prison, but death. And the reason is that the mind of the flesh is enmity with God. Enmity means that opposed to at odds with an enemy of God. We don't want to be an enemy of God, but our flesh is an enemy of God. That carnal nature is still the nature of Adam. We have the Holy Ghost living inside of us. We have a new heart, new mind, new spirit. That is present, but it's obvious to all of us and through the word of God that that old nature is still hanging around, so to speak. That's what we're talking about. It pops up, it rears its ugly head from time to time, and we see it in so many different forms. But the Bible says that it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Again, these are it's very uh, dogmatic kind of statements that that the mind of the flesh is enmity with God. It's not a compromise. There's not an in-between. Everything in our life, in our world today, people make everything so vague. And so you can compromise this. You can go so... There's no absolutes, right? We see it everywhere. Well, I love God's Word. It's one thing that helps me. Maybe I'm simple-minded, but I think it helps all of us, is that it's very clear. It's very dogmatic that it's in me, it says that the the carnal mind is enmity against God. It's not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So it would be wrong of me and hopeless of me to try to find some way to make my carnal mind subject to the law of God. Well, maybe I can be an exception to the rule. I'm a pretty sharp guy. I think I can figure it out. I'm pretty disciplined. Maybe I can discipline my flesh and my carnal mind and my carnality but the Bible has said, no, there's a death sentence for that. Let me, by the cross, work that. Let me do that, right? The Bible says that if, if, uh, if, we, if we live in the flesh, we'll die. But if we, through the Spirit, that's the means, that's the power, that's the ability, that's the, the uh, authority and the power by which we do it. If we, through the Spirit, do mortify, that means kill, put to death the deeds of the body will live. So we, we do that by faith and we do it by the power of God, by the power of His Spirit. And so the verdict's going going out and the Bible says that uh, Christ nailed the flesh with His passions and desires to the cross. And that's what the Lord has done. And, and there's a reason for that, y'all. One of the reasons is He has to make room for the new. You know that... that Teaching where Jesus says you don't uh, sew, sew an old, you know, a new piece of garment to an old, I mean, an old piece onto a new garment and the, the rent will be made worse. You don't take new wine and put into old bottles. It's going to break the bottles and it will spill out and waste it. You put new wine in new bottles. And, and there has to be uh, room, so to speak, in our lives for the new man, Christ Jesus, to live. And so the the old man still is fighting for that position and he doesn't give up easily. We know that, you know, when you try to even with the Lord's help, you try to overcome maybe a habitual sin or a sin that particularly uh, has a hold in your life. And you find it difficult, not impossible because God makes all things possible, but it's difficult. But the the old is not going to inherit the new. That old man's not going to inherit new life. The old man's going to die and he's going to give us a new life. It's a whole new life in Christ. It's kind of like in the sense that Jesus wasn't born of the seed of Adam. He didn't come with that sin nature, right? There's a whole new priesthood after the order of Melchizedek without father and mother, the Bible says. And that's a picture. But still, he came, God's his father. What was conceived in Mary was of the Holy Ghost. Had no, nothing to do in one sense of the Adam's nature. And so that's what's. Alive in us now in Christ. It's Christ who's holy from the word go. holy from the beginning. Holy through and through. And so the old Randy, the old man has to. To allow the cross to work to make room for for Christ. Amen? The mind of the flesh is death. Now I want to talk about the flesh for just a little bit here tonight. I don't, I don't believe we're going to be very long tonight. But in speaking of the flesh, it's contrary to the spirit. Right? We see that on the Bible. They're totally contrary. There's not an overlap. And I can remember this in math class in college and high school way back. Uh, and y'all know it too, That there's uh, that there's Mutually exclusive is a term in math where if a, n- a number's negative, it can't be positive at the same time. You know what I'm saying? It's one or the other. Uh, or or there, you know, there are two sets of numbers and the negatives are here and the positives are here. There's no overlap. There's no point where these two circles are across and some are both. And, and this, that's how it is with the flesh and the spirit. We have a fleshly body. We have the nature of Adam. That's all we had before we got saved. But now that we're born again, we have the nature of Christ. We need to yield to the spirit and allow that man, that new man to become stronger, to reign, to rule. Uh, He can do it. He desires to do it. He is doing it as we allow him to. But the, the flesh speaks of that whole human nature in its fallen condition. The whole human nature in the fallen condition. I say, even the things that we think are good parts of our flesh, the flesh is the flesh. It's not good. I mean, my flesh, Paul says, dwells no good thing. Even the things we think are pretty good, maybe I can carry this trait or characteristic or habit from my old life into the new. And really, it's it's got to be sanctified. Even if it is a, a pretty admirable trait, you're pretty disciplined. We need to be disciplined for Christ. You understand what I'm saying? It has to be sanctified. It has to come through the blood of Jesus and be burnt. Our God is a consuming fire. He wants to burn that off and sanctify it, so all that remains is what's really of God in our lives. And so the flesh, this just. just I just thought this was a good list of things. We hear in the Bible, okay, we read of the will of the flesh, the desires of the flesh, the mind of the flesh. This is all phrases used in the New Testament. The wisdom of the flesh. Remember what the wisdom of the world did? And its wisdom, its crowning achievement, crucified the Lord. The crowning achievement of the wisdom of the flesh, or the wisdom of the world. We read of the purposes of the flesh, the confidence of the flesh, the filthiness of the flesh, the workings of the flesh, the warring warrings of the flesh, the glorying of the flesh. flesh wants the glory. Even in a religious aspect sometimes, the flesh wants the glory. Scripture mentions those who walk according to the flesh, those who walk after the flesh, those who make a fair show in the flesh. And really it's man's emotions, his own, man's own reasonings, his own powers, all of our thinking, all of our will, everything, all of our energy is under the lordship of the flesh. And so here's a world full of lost people and everybody that's lost, you have people that are hardened criminals and you have people that are give a lot to charity over here. And yet, in one sense, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And in one sense, all of that flesh is the flesh. And in one sense, all of that flesh is unredeemable and unrehabilitable, if that's a word. You know, it's not able to be rehabilitated in Christ. It needs to die. There is a death sentence to that because it's enmity with God. And so... A uh, deliverance can never be hoped for for the flesh. There's not a deliverance for the flesh. There's a death to the flesh. And I think if there's one one or two things that we hang on to, in a sense this series is very redundant on the cross that we're doing, but I think it's very profitable that these things just keep sinking into us and sinking into us. Um, we, we don't need to leave the flesh in our own lives, and the Lord certainly doesn't intend to, to leave it any breathing space. Let me leave my flesh, flesh this little, quiet, safe little place over here where it can have some type of life. Uh, the cross wants to bring an end to that self life, okay? Bring an end to it. And so you say that sounds pretty harsh and that sounds pretty difficult and and i think the bible would agree with us that that is difficult and it is harsh and in fact it's not only difficult for us to do that even as believers it's impossible for us to do that it has to be a work of the lord it has to be the working of almighty god it has to be a working of the holy spirit it has to be by his cross and by us by faith laying hold And counting it as being so. Amen. So the Bible says what's impossible with men is possible with God. All those who are born again have gone through this judgment in a judicial sense through the person of Christ. So in one sense, I am crucified with Christ. This big step has already been taken on my behalf. That I am by faith in Jesus Part of, part of my salvation is that I'm crucified with Christ. And then I walk that out by faith day by day. And I not even day by day. Uh, moment by moment. Waking moment by waking moment. Every day can be a battle. Every day can be a struggle up and down in our faith and in our, our morals and our thoughts and our flesh or the spirit. Uh, a lost, To a lost man, God would say like... Something like, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But to a saved man, he would tell us not to walk in the flesh, but walk in the Spirit. To a saved man, he would say, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles, and I want to read Galatians. We're going to read two verses. One from Galatians and one from Romans. Galatians 5.24 And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. You see that scripture right there? They that are Christ. Are you Christ? You don't have to be the most mature in the world. You just have to be born again. God's working on us to make us all more like Jesus. If you're born again, are you Christ? Are you His possession? Are you born again, washed in the blood of Jesus? A new creature in Christ. This speaks of every believer. They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. So it has to come down to walking it out. This is what we're talking about. Wednesday after Wednesday after Wednesday. By faith, walking it out. We have our judicial standing as being just, as being innocent, as being robed in the righteousness of Christ. The moment you got saved. I say it all the time. Somebody, I use it for an example. Somebody on the streets that you witnessed to uh, in the Foxy's neighborhood and they're still have the smell of alcohol on them. But God quickens them and and through the gospel they they give their life to Christ. They still might have the smell of alcohol. I mean, they're that freshly saved and yet the Lord pronounces them just, innocent, righteous, passed from death to life. There's therefore now no condemnation. And so now... That person, just like you and I, has a long road to go. It's okay though, the Lord's going to help us. It's part of the nature, it's part of the walk, it's part of our salvation, is our sanctification. And so it is a fact that they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. It is another thing that we would walk in the Spirit. Walk therefore. It's a commandment. Two Christians, walk in the Spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's in Galatians as well. Just a few verses before this, he's telling us what to do, and God enables us to do that. And I thank the Lord; He does help us. And so, um, let's look at another verse real quickly that we're very familiar with in Romans six thirteen. There's no way we could do this study of the cross and the life of the believer without going to Romans and specifically Romans chapter six and chapter eight. But let's, tonight we're going to look at Romans six thirteen. Let's read twelve and thirteen. Let not therefore, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. He's not talking to lost people. A lost person will say, "What are you talking about?" Seriously, you go and you bring, you go to a lost man. They don't know Jesus. They don't know the Lord. You said, Don't let sin reign in your mortal body. They say, What are you talking about? You know what I mean? They don't even know. They might know they've done a few bad things, but they don't consider themselves being reigned by sin, ruled over by sin. But Jesus said, Who committeth sin? In John 8, whosoever committeth sin is a pattern, is a servant of sin or a slave to sin. They don't know that. They don't know that. Somehow they got to be quickened through the word of God by the Holy Spirit, by the gospel specifically in the Lord. Salvation is of the Lord. He knows how to work in their lives to begin to open their eyes and the scales fall off. That can happen very quickly, by the way, It doesn't have to take years and years. But he's writing this to Christians. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal bodies. Body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. It's one or the other. There's not a middle. It's one or the other. You're yielding to the flesh. You're yielding to sin. You're yielding to the lust and desires of the flesh and begin to commit those sins and actually act them out and, and commit those sins. Or we're yielding our members' uh unto God, yielding ourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So that's my choice. In other words, I know what I'm commanded to do, but that's, my, that's where the Lord puts something in in our court, so to speak, where He's saying, I will enable you to do this by my spirit, but I'm telling you what you need to do. It's a conscious choice. We make conscious choices. You know, people can get so lax with their Christianity and Christianity today that uh, so many churches, so many believers, if they are even believers, are not grounded in the word of God. I know that's no surprise. We know that. And so people are they're not disciplined. They don't spend time in the word and they hang on to a few scriptures that they like and maybe grace and love and so forth, which is part of the word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And they just kind of float through life, and they never make any real progress in their what God intends them to do. He intends us to roll up our sleeves, take up our cross, deny ourselves, and follow Him. He intends that. When He saved us, He intended that for us. He's going to bring us to heaven one day. But between now and then, He wants to be glorified through my life, and I can promise you... He's gracious and merciful and forgives me when I sin if I confess, but He's not glorified through my sin. He's not glorified through through my laziness or my lack of knowledge of His Word or my lack of ability to to counsel someone else from the Word of God. He's not glorified by that. That doesn't please Him. And me uh, falling into sins continually and living far too much time in sin, that doesn't glorify the Lord. He'll help us but we are to yield to the Lord, okay? And so, uh, we, as we yield continually, remember these words, like, whoso committed sin is a servant of sin. That would be a pattern of committing sin, okay? A lost person. Uh, same for yielding yourselves. It doesn't say one time yield yourself. Well, I did that 15 years ago, I'm good. It's a continual yielding to the Lord. Every time you drive your car, You know, there's some place where you have to stop. Light turns yellow, it turns red, it's your turn to stop. All day long, wherever you drive, you'll come to stop signs, yield signs, yellow lights that turn red. You know what I mean? uh, Somebody's coming and they have the right of way. All day long. Well, it's the same thing in our walk with the Lord. There's a continual conscious choice. I'm at a crossroad right here. I have a decision to make right here. Maybe what we think is a little decision, but it's still I have a moral decision to make right here. I have to, a choice to walk in the spirit of the flesh right here. Right there. However many times that is a day, that's where I need to yield. So it's not just I yielded once when I gave my life to Christ. We did. That's the big one. Hallelujah. But it's a life of yielding. It's a continual pattern of yielding. Don't think it's drudgery and misery. The, the Lord helps us. Amen? He strengthens us. It's joy to walk with the Lord. Praise God. So remember that this is a walk of the flesh. It's, it's a, I mean, a walk of faith. That we are to reckon ourselves dead indeed to sin. It is a walk of faith. You say, well, I sure don't feel dead to sin. I feel very uh, unspiritual right now. I feel explode with my temper right now. I feel like I could stay home instead of go to church right now and just turn on the TV and forget it. I don't feel very spiritual. Well, it has nothing to do with our feelings. It has to do with faith and laying hold on the Lord. It It has to do with a life of faith. And so we reckon it as being so. God, Your Word says, and You're not a liar, Right? Sanctify them by thy truth. Jesus said, thy word is truth. His word says to reckon ourselves dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Christ our Lord. He says, count it as being so. And so there's still a lot in our lives. As Christians, I don't care how long you've been walking with the Lord. There should be real progress. We talk about that all the time. But it's still evident that there's more progress that flesh that's still around, that's present, right? We know it. I wouldn't ask you to to tell right now, but if I ask you, let's stop for the next couple of minutes. Just think about your own life. Where do you see the old nature in your life, like pretty regularly? Where do you see the nature of Adam kind of coming to the forefront and raising up it, it, again it could be in your temper it could be in pride i want to read just another list of some things that um, where as believers the flesh can still show itself it, the flesh and it still has to be dealt with by the way in our service for christ the flesh can show itself and i think about that because i've, I've played instruments and played and sang and been since pretty much since i've surrendered fully to the Lord. I've been serving the Lord. And one of the ways I've served the Lord is in, in music. And it's easy for the, for the flesh, preaching, teaching, music, somehow to, to make a show. Even in the house of God, even in the name of the Lord, even when somebody says, that was a beautiful song, brother. And you say, praise God. All glory to God, But we ourselves wanted to be noticed. And that's, that's, an, uh, uh, that's the flesh, right? Might get by with it as far as people seeing it. Might not. But yet, where none of us are getting by with it in the sense of the Lord seeing it. It has to go. There's a death sentence for that flesh. It's not going to be rehabilitated. It's not going to be tamed. It's going going to die. And the Lord is going to place the nature of His Son, the mind of Christ. Meekness. I'm meek and lowly. Lowly and meek, and you'll find rest for your souls. Take my yoke and learn of me. All right, so in our service to Christ, there can be self-confidence and self-esteem. when we're stepping up here, I don't think we should be scared to death. If I've asked you to open a prayer or teach Sunday school or wherever you serve the Lord, going out witnessing, God gives us a confidence in Him and a faith and a trust. But there needs to be a godly fear no matter how many times we do it. That this is, ho- I'm treading on holy ground. This is not a playground. I'm stepping into that pulpit or opening my Bible and teaching other people. Or I represent Him going out witnessing and opening. Let me tell you about my Savior Jesus. Or I'm singing a song. It's not because we have a good voice. It's because God has called us to it. And it's to some measure called us. And and we're serving Him in that way. But there should be no self-confidence. It needs to be as we're stepping up to do it. God, help me. Strengthen me. I know you will. But I'm still asking you to. If it's going to be any good, it's because you've made it good. I don't care if I've done it a thousand times. I don't care if I've done it 10,000 times. If it's going to be blessed, He's going to have to bless it. If it's going to be anointed, He has to anoint it. People can mimic the anointing by getting all sweaty or crying at the right moment in their sermon or whatever. The real anointing of the Lord is going to become because He's pleased. He's not going to give His glory to another. And so if I'm going to rob his glory, he's not going to do that. He's going to deal with me about that first. You see? And so even in serving the Lord, self can be present. Self-confidence and self-esteem are in this. This um, this is just a list of things where self can can still be present in the life of a believer. We can see it in the slightest bit of suffering. When we suffer, we have self-pity. We want to save ourselves in self-pity. We want to spare ourselves from any kind of suffering at all. Um, in the least misunderstanding. The worst misunderstandings, and it shouldn't happen, but it does happen. Okay, so we ought to get used to it. it shouldn't happen. We ought to work that it doesn't happen, but it does happen. The least misunderstanding where you were misunderstood by somebody. Something you meant to be good and it came out of your mouth wrong, or something you intended with a pure heart and you were misunderstood. What happens when we're misunderstood? We can pout. We can get mad. We can get defensive. We want to set it straight. Now listen here. Let me tell you what the deal is. I broke my back for you. You know, and, so you, and we're misunderstood. What do we do? Self can rear its head. When we're misunderstood, we want to defend ourselves and vindicate ourselves. Jesus, when he was reviled, reviled not again, the Bible says. And he is our example. First Peter, when he was reviled, reviled not himself, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. In other words, I'm taking it to my Father, he's got it. He's got it. This is that's a perfect example, okay? In our position in life, where we, we want to uh, we can be self-centered. We want, to, we want uh, to be noticed for our position in life. So many people are known by their occupation. What are you? I'm, 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 a, I'm, a, I'm a judge. I'm a doctor. I'm a school teacher. I'm a, a, a heavy machine operator. And we, that's, you know, that we, we think that that's what we are, but it's not what we are. And so we, our station is life. Our position in life is what God has made us. Where else can self show itself in our daily routine? We want to please ourselves. I would say I'm guilty of that. I know I am. i got my little structure and my little routine. And I don't like to be deviated off of it too much. But sometimes God may want to deviate me from it. Usually I wake up do this, 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 and this. And one day God may want me to get up and not do any of that. I got this for you to do. Forget all that. You're not going to die if you don't do it. Come do what I've called you to do over here. And we're hard to let go of those things. In our routine, we want to please ourselves. In our relationships, we want uh, self-respect. We want to maybe have the upper hand in our relationships. Be the top dog. Me and this guy are at work or in the, you know, coworkers and so forth. In our education, we may want to boast of how much education we have. In our desires, we might want to just satisfy ourselves, our own desires. In our successes, self-admiration and congratulations. You know, look how good you did, Randy. That was really good. And really, it ought to be all glory to God. Not those words out of my mouth necessarily, because I can fake those words. But in my heart of hearts, like we opened with about, you know, serving Christ, there can be selfishness even in that. We need to let the the Lord keep us humble. A real humility. The Bible says if we'll humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, He will do what? Lift us up. That's the way to go, y'all. I'm telling you. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. I don't believe that's always just publicly where you go around with your head hanging down you know, dry, you know you're, you're just drooping all the time. I think it's even private where we know apart from Christ, I'm nothing. Apart from Christ, I can do nothing. I need you today, Jesus. I've done this task at work literally 30,000 times, but I need you to help me today. I stood strong for you at work and a pretty good witness for Christ at work for the last five years. But if I get my eyes off of you, I can slip up today. I need you to help me today. I've been a good mom and a good dad to my children. For the most part, if I take my eyes off of the Lord and get in the flesh and get self-confident, and I'm just the greatest parent that's ever been, I'm going to fall. And it's going to be... um, Certainly God can forgive us and help us. But you understand the point. We can't trust in that. In our failures, we can be selfish because we excuse ourselves. We can excuse ourselves and justify ourselves. Well, here's why I messed up so royally on that. Uh, Or failed to show up when I said I would or, or something like that. Or failed to prepare. Here's why. Just... And we, we, we uh, justify it somehow. In our spirit, spiritual attainments, we can be self-righteous and so forth. In our public ministry, we can be self gloring like I mentioned. Really, in our whole life, and I'll be bringing this to a close, in our whole life, we can be selfish. Okay? Selfish, self-loving, and all the other selves that modern, modern, I would say, psychology, Counseling its definitely spilled over into the church. Forgive yourself, love yourself, respect yourself, esteem yourself. I think there's like seven of them that Rick Warren had with his purpose driven. It's totally contrary to scripture. I'm not up here. It's not my job to talk bad about Rick Warren. I'm saying that the seven self-isms that he says are necessary for you to have. And your life are totally contrary to scripture. Self has the death sentence upon it. Even as a believer, that has to go. The Lord wants to take it out. And so I'll just bring this to a close. I've listed a couple of pretty good lists of selfishness and and where self can show itself in the life of a believer. And it's gracious, I would say, and wise of the Lord not to show us all those things about our individual lives all at once. I think we'd be disheartened. I think we'd be overwhelmed. I think we would say, forget it. You know what I'm saying? It, it, honestly, if somebody says, it's it's like uh, exercising or getting in shape or whatever, if, if I just think about, I got a massive amount of weight to lose or something like that, it might look overwhelming. But if... If I just say, let me, God shows, you know, here's what I want you to do. Just start skipping dessert. Okay? Start skipping dessert for the next month. Let's just do that. Take it easy. And and we, hey, some weight came off. This feels pretty good. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't, I think it's kind of the Lord, and I know there's a spiritual reason that he doesn't just dump all of our sin that that's in my life and selfishness and areas that need to be sanctified he doesn't just show it to me all at once i think we would we would be overwhelmed but i do know this he's always always i don't care who you are if we're really walking closely to the lord he's holy and he's making me holy but i'm not fully there yet so as we walk closely to the lord we will see things in our lives he's kind to show us but he's kind to not show us all at once everything and when he deals with something, that's what he's dealing with. I need to zero in. Randy, he's de- you know, dealing with your pride. He's dealing with your laziness. He's dealing with uh, your, your self-sufficiency. He's dealing with your uh, stuck in your own habits and routine. Whatever he's dealing with me about, that's where he's dealing with me. And I need to join him basically there and say, okay, God, I see what you're doing here. Help me. It's going to drive me to my knees. It's not going to drive me to say, okay, I got it now, Lord. It's going to drive me to prayer. It's going to drive me to say, Lord, make me more aware of this. I didn't see it. I didn't see it in my life. I didn't see it to this extreme. I did not think this was that bad in my life. But you showed me that it is. Don't let me forget how bad you showed me it is. How distasteful it is to Christ. What a bad testimony it is for the Lord Jesus. And it's going to take me into prayer where I say, God help me. God help me. I want to change. Make me want to change. How many care about it like you care about it? You obviously care about it or you wouldn't have showed it to me. You understand what it drives us to prayer. He doesn't show us all at once. but And then when He deals with us in that, and there, there will be a real victory in that. There will be a real victory in that area. And He'll move us, give us a space to, to breathe, and He'll show us something else, okay? Here, let's move on to the next thing. You've got this in your life as well. And so, thank the Lord. We, we must become Christ-like. We get saved all at once, justified all at once, forgiven all at once, passed from death to life all at once. Made new in Christ all at once, but we must become Christ-like. We must become Christ-like. And so, uh, we're just going to close with that. And and next week, we're going to talk about um, not halting between two opinions. You know, we'll we'll talk a little bit about Elijah. Why do you halt between two opinions? If God's God, serve him. If Baal's God, serve Baal. And sometimes we kind of halt. Like I said, we compromise with our flesh. We stay in this kind of happy never-never land. It's really not happy. It's not really for the Lord. It's not, we're not lost anymore. We're going to talk about that some next week. But tonight, uh, y'all just as we close, let's just come before the Lord and ask Him like, like David does in the Psalms, search me, O God, and know my heart. We all know the passage. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Uh, and don't be afraid for Him to show you. He's going to show you. He's going to forgive you. He's going to help you. He's going to work on that specific thing in your life and bring it death to that self a little bit more and more Christ-likeness to our lives. Amen? So, Father, we come before You in Jesus' name. God, I want to thank You, Lord, for the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. It's not just our own crucifixion. It's a crucifixion with your Christ. You died unto sin once, and you ever live unto God. Lord, by faith, we want to be right there with you. Lord, we yield tonight to the working of the Holy Ghost to sanctify us. We yield to the working of the cross of our Lord to bring death to ourselves, to whatever is not of Jesus. We yield to your Lordship and we trust in your kindness and your goodness and your care for us. If you're able to save us, you are also able to make us more like Jesus. We ask that you would do that in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.